Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And this is what it says. I don't mean to say I have already achieved these things. He's talking about being perfect. Or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on. Everyone say press on. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Everyone say press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let us who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold to the progress we have made. Brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after uh, mine and learn from those who follow our example. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord's hand on this word as we open it together. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your word. I I thank you that it is light, it is life, it is instruction, it's correction. And Jesus, I just pray that today your word would accomplish all that you desire it to in our lives. Holy Spirit, we welcome you now. We ask you to speak to our hearts and to change our lives and to release an anointing all across this room that we would receive all that you have for us. We pray in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. And everybody say... Amen. You may be seated. We're talking about the importance of pressing on. This is a a word that we believe that God is speaking to our entire church, uh, our our church around the world. uh, It's the word press on. Everyone say press on. Yesterday was a moment where I I look and I'm reflecting on what God did. I mean, the fact that we closed at nearly $400,000 the previous year, We were at $40,000. And the fact that the Lord has grown all of this, I mean, my wife and I were just sitting yesterday just reflecting on all that's been done, the growth that has happened. I mean, even just all across this property. I mean, if, if anybody is familiar with this property, you can walk around and see like, so much. How, how many of you were a part of our work days, uh, either early on or even, even just recently, you've been a part of some of the work days and the sweat and labor and, and all of this? Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Even, even yesterday, uh, this, this meal that came together, my wife, she tells me, you know, the ladies, you know, she told me about Deb. She got up at four in the morning to make eggs for our business meeting. You know, the stuff that we see right now, it doesn't just happen. Uh, uh, the, the nice rooms that you walk into, it doesn't just happen. We didn't just pay people to come in and do this. Some of the stuff we did, but I mean, if it was within our ability to pour concrete and to do this kind of stuff, then uh, boy, we did it. Go talk to Minister Rylin. He can get you busy doing a lot of stuff. Um, but I, I, I look at this and it's amazing. And As I reflect on what God has done, there's something that comes into my heart as much as I rejoice in what he has done. I believe that our greatest days are still ahead of us. I believe that even though we've experienced growth by multiplication in this last year, I believe in this coming year God is going to continue to grow us, not by addition, but by multiplication. I believe that God could double us over this next year, which would be incredible. I had somebody come up to me and I've just been 
praying and just stewing on this. Like, Lord, could you double our income? And could you double our attendance? And could you double the anointing and the moving of God? You know, I'm believing for double on all, on all levels. And somebody comes up to me a couple weeks ago and they prophesy. I just saw, saw the Lord flowing a million dollars in and through this church, which would be a little more than double what we did. So that's the kind of things that I'm believing for. There's, there's things that we, are, uh, that we must press on to believe for. How many of you are, are believing? God, you, you've got some great things ahead of us still yet, uh, uh, personally, for the church. And so I, I want to talk today, I really have two main ideas. I want to talk about the mentality, what I, what I call a press-on mentality. What's the mindset that we are to take? You know, we all come to Jesus for different reasons. Maybe you, maybe you gave your life to the Lord because it's what your family did, or maybe you start, got married and started having kids and you decided we got to raise our kids right, or maybe you're like me. I, I got saved because I knew I was headed for hell, and I had a revelation of that, and I'm like, oh, I need to get right with God before I kill myself of a drug overdose. I mean, and that's the situation I was in. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you're here and you had a revelation of the love of Jesus. And it's like, I want to be a part of that love. I want to be a part of that grace. I want to be a part. And that's wonderful when we all get saved. But my question and my challenge today is what motivates us to press on? What drives us today? We all have our reasons that we got right with the Lord, but what motivates us right now to keep going? You ever had a moment where you just like, I've lost the wind in my sails. I don't feel like getting up today. I don't want to do. We've all had those moments, haven't we? Well, what is it that can get into us that cause us to continue to press on? Well, the Bible actually, Paul encourages his spiritual son. If you have your Bible, you may turn to this because I've got a couple points I want to pull from. I want to talk about what the press-on mentality is, and I want to talk about what it is that we're pressing on towards. What is the press-on mentality, and what are we pressing on towards? So the press-on mentality, we see it in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says uh, in verse 3, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. They cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand these things. This is a press-on mentality. Three ideas that I, I believe we need to have if we're going to have the, the mentality to press on. Number one, we must press on like a soldier. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're a soldier. Three examples that Paul gave. He talked about a soldier. He talked about an athlete. He talked about a, a farmer. Now, I, I like the idea of the, of the soldier. I actually uh, uh, I, I tried to go into the Army. Both of my parents were in the Army, and uh, uh, I got denied because I got flat feet. Sometimes flat feet can be a blessing from the Lord. Um, and so instead I went to Bible school, praise God. Um, and the Lord had his hand. But, I, you know, I always appreciate this, this, the soldier mentality and, and all that that entails. And, uh, and I love and I honor. And, of course, we've seen images of warfare this last week. 
We've seen, uh, my wife showed me a video, maybe some of you have seen this, uh, you know, a family, they were recording in Ukraine, uh, uh, and a bomb drops, and you just hear the, the scream of a child, just the horror and the cry, and I mean, it, it just grips your heart to see these things, and I mean, the warfare and, and all of this, and so this is imagery that we're all kind of familiar with right now. And what I think was interesting, I, I saw yesterday an article of the response of the president of the Ukraine. I don't know if you've seen this, but he was offered, offered safety and asylum in Europe. Europe said, hey, come over here, we'll protect you. But the president of Ukraine's response was, I, he put on a military uniform, he took up arms and he said, I will stay in my country and if I die, I will die with my soldiers. There's a man who's got a press on mentality. I'm going to stick with my people even if I suffer, even if I die. I mean, what is it about wartime that we just, we see like heroism. We see people rise up with an incredible story. kind of makes me jealous. I wish we had a president like that. Uh, so, I, I'm, we can edit that out the video. I just. But here's somebody who knows, man. There's there's something worth fighting for. My people, their their freedom. It's worth fighting for, and it is worth dying for. Civilian life is exactly what Paul said. Civilian life is over. I'm not going to go live in a palace in Europe right now. No, there's a war, and I need to be with my people. And I, I admire that. I, I marvel when I, when I read in the books of Acts. Acts. These guys had the same sort of mentality. You read about John and Peter and how they were whipped, they were beaten for the gospel that they were preaching. And the Bible says that they were filled with joy. They rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. That's a soldier's mentality right there, friend. I would be to God that we would have some people in the house of God that say, there's some things that are worth fighting for, and there's some things that are worth dying for. And Jesus is at the very top of that list. The cause of Jesus Christ. The salvation of souls for all eternity. The spiritual battles that rage all around us. We're in war, friend, whether you recognize it or not. And you and I get to be a part of it. We can't have this, this uh, wimpy mentality where I got hurt, I got offended. We don't have time. We don't have time for civilian offenses of this nature. No, there's a war to fight. We need to pick up one another, strengthen one another, and we need to get after it. We need to press on. Everybody say, press on. Now, that's press on like a soldier. The next thing Paul said is we press on like an athlete. Ready to look at your neighbor and say, you're an athlete. He says, uh, athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Now, there's a couple ideas that I like out of this. Uh, first of all, you know, they're playing to win. I know that, like, today our culture is like, oh, no winners or losers. It's all for fun. And, uh, you know, listen, you, you want to know what's fun? Winning. Winning is fun. <laughs> And the Bible supports this, man. I don't, we're not just playing. Just, just have fun. No, like we're going to win. We're going to go after this. My, my son played flag football a couple years ago. And, uh, and I, 
it was just it was cool, man, because uh, the the coaches they're like, we're not going to keep score; it's just for fun. But you know what was hilarious? The minute the game was over. All of these guys, we won, you lost, and they knew who had scored, who had been scored on. I mean, they, they knew everything. Even though the coaches didn't want to keep score, these guys kept score. And the winners were happy. <laughs> you understand? And I, and I believe that's the, that's the mentality. So when we have, like, you know, volleyball days or, uh, you know, whatever, dodgeball, I, I don't know. We're, we're going to have winners, and, and some of you will be losers as well. And that's great. That's Bible right there. We're, we're going to play. We're going to play to win. And, and what I want you to understand, church, do you realize that, like, you get to heaven, not everybody gets the same participation award. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But, like, the Bible talks about how there will be some who receive great honor and are even given great reward. Some are going to receive crowns. Some are going to receive jewels. Some are going to be in mansions. And there are others, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, our lives will be tested. And there are some who will enter into heaven. You made it in, but you will suffer Loss it says that you enter in as through fire, that literally everything in and about your life, the kingdom that you've built, if it's not about Jesus, will be consumed, and you will enter in with nothing. Some will suffer loss. Others will win. In fact, the word for judgment, when it talks about the judgment seat of Christ, it is the Greek word bima. Bima is a, it's an Olympic term. Back in their day when they would have Olympic competitions, you've seen the stand where they have first place, second place, third place. That's the Bema, where people are awarded. You get first place and second place. Judgment Day is going to look like that, friend. We will all, Romans says, give an account for the life that we have lived. And my goal, the reason I'm talking to you like this, friend, is I want you to be ready for that day. We can be ready for that day. You can look good on that day. I don't want you to build some earthly kingdom that has nothing to do with Jesus and you get there and it's all consumed to ash. At the end of our lives, I want everybody who's connected with King's Kona, I want you to look good on Judgment Day. That you got something to show for the life that you lived. And yeah, we're, we're building a kingdom, but it's the kingdom of God. And it's a kingdom that lasts. And we're taking people with us because people are eternal. People last forever. All right, so, hallelujah. So, we're going to compete. Now, we're going to play to win. But the other idea about the athlete is they follow the rules. Um, you know, there's discipline that needs to, to happen. I remember I, I learned this. I, I wrestled when I was in high school. And I remember the day where I learned you don't eat a big bowl of cereal and milk right before you go to wrestling practice, conditioning. Some of you, you get sick to your stomach just thinking about that. Uh, there's certain things that you eat and don't eat. There's certain sleep patterns. You know, I, I can't stay up till 3 in the morning if I'm going to compete and play to win. Uh, I, I, need to, I need to discipline myself. I need to, to keep myself in check. And if, if we're going to be a people that win, there's a lifestyle that comes along with that. And so even in the kingdom of God, we need to, we need to ask ourselves, okay, I, I want to steward revival, or I want to plant a church, or I, I want to I go take over a nation for Jesus. You know, you know, whatever your vision, whatever your goal may be, you need to ask yourself, what disciplines do I need to establish? 
how do I need to pray if that's going to be a reality? Who's going to come along with me if I'm going to fulfill that vision? Uh, what are some disciplines uh, that I need to cut out of my life and others that I need to establish? How do I need to fast? Uh, you know, we need to ask ourselves those questions and only, you know, you, you pray into what exactly that looks like. So we're going we're gonna to press on like an athlete. The third one, oh, I like this. We're going to press on like a farmer. That's right. The Bible says a hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a farmer. Don't take that as an insult. That's good, man. You're a farmer. And you know what I like what it says? It says the hardworking farmer. This is what I was talking about earlier, getting up at four in the morning to make eggs. Uh, mixing concrete in a wheelbarrow. I mean, we've done this kind of stuff. Go hang out with Minister Lee, our Marshallese minister sometime, and he'll, he'll show you how to mow a lawn. Hallelujah. It's hot in the Kona Sun. They do it on Fridays. You can join him. It'll be wonderful. It's hard work. This, this church did not just, you know, it didn't just happen. There are people who have worked hard to make this happen. And we're going to continue to work hard. If we're going to, if we're going to have a press-on mentality, church, we, we got to get the idea, I'm going to have to work for this thing. Like a farmer working in the field, i got to make an investment, man. I need to pour some blood, sweat, and tears into this thing. It's hard work. But notice something else. Now, let me just ask you a question. Um, my wife, she's the kind of person, like, I'll sit in the office and I'll balance budgets and I'll schedule meetings and I'll study and write sermons and I feel like I've had a good full day's work. My wife, that kind of stuff kills her. She can't stand it. What makes her feel good is I knocked down this wall and we painted this over here and we, we poured this concrete and we redid the tile over here. I mean, she was raised in a construction family and so she, she hard work, like callous hands. She makes fun of my pastoral hands at times. Uh, Anybody appreciate, anybody like you're fulfilled by a good hard day's work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Minister Rylan, you here. For real, spend a week with this guy. He's always got a project here on this property. I, I love it. You, 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 if you're more on the techie side, go spend a week with Dylan and Rachel. I mean, these guys were here the night before this board meeting. I mean, this guy, he's got cables running all over this place. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. The cameras and this. I mean, he's doing stuff with these computers. And I'm a techie guy. I can't even wrap my head around it. That's hard work. It's hard work. But look at what it says here. The hardworking farmer, verse 6, must be the first to partake of the crops. You know what that means? You work hard, but you also must be the first one to reap, to reap the reward of what you've worked for. I'm going to help you out because if, if you're like my wife and I, we were talking about this yesterday, we get a project and we work, 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 we finish the project, okay, what's the next project? And we work, 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 and we finish the project, okay, what's the next project? And we work, 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 and we finish the project, and we move on. And, and I, I would bet that some of you who enjoy hard work, you tick exactly the same way. There's an element to what the Apostle Paul is, is, is saying here that, that some of us, you may, just, you may have to just get this. This is part of the press-on mentality. There's a moment you need to stop. 
and receive. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. Are you hearing me? Remember, we were, we were redoing the plumbing in this mall. We had to redo the entire plumbing because everything on this end would get backed up, whether it was the toilets or the restaurants. Or, so we had to redo everything. Now, we, I can't do plumbing myself. And uh, uh, so we hired somebody to do that, but we can break up tile and, and dig holes and pour concrete and lay rebar, and we, we, we can do that stuff. And so we did that ourselves. Now, I remember it was somewhere throughout that. I don't know if it was the inspection part of it, but we, we hit a roadblock. And I remember we were frustrated one day, and I was talking to Dr. Morocco. Okay, here's the bills that are due, and here's the work that we did, but here's where we're hung up right now. And I remember Dr. Morocco, I mean, it was, it was hard, early days of work. I remember Dr. Morocco saying something that I remind myself of very often. He said, Pastor Jacob, this is a moment of frustration. Pastor Jacob, enjoy the process. I'm like, what? <laughs> enjoy the process. Like, things are going wrong, but you ever just like, Stop and like, I mean, I remember he said that and it caused me to pause. And I look around and realize, man, we have 30 people from our church here working their brains out. Let's go get some plate lunch and let's just enjoy being with one another right now. Let's just take a moment to just like, just appreciate God. You've brought some amazing people into this house and, and look at how you're using them. Look at what you're doing. We need to take moments to just stop and Enjoy the process. I hope that helps you. That's, a, that's part of the, the press on mentality, church. We need to have these moments where it's like, God, look at what you're doing. And I, I'm going to stop the project and the ministry and the work for a moment and just thank you for what you're doing. We're just going to sit and enjoy this AC for a minute. Wow. Wow. So we're going to press on. So. That's the press-on mentality. We press on like a soldier. We press on like an athlete. We press on like a farmer. Now, what are we pressing on to? Uh, because this is what motivates me, okay? I got the right mindset. Now, what's the goal? What am I, what am I pressing on to? Um, I've actually entitled this message. I should have said this at the beginning. Uh, we're pressing on to the heavenly prize, we're pressing on to the heavenly prize. That's what Paul said. I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So we press on to eternal reward. Everybody say reward. Did you know that if you are faithful with what God has trusted you with, you will be rewarded in heaven. And I've heard people say, oh, you know, they sound very spiritually. I'm not doing this for a reward. I'm not doing this for accolades or recognition. I just, you know, oh, glory to God. Listen, friend, I'm doing this for reward. I do it for the glory of God, 
but I do this for reward. And this came into me. I mean, it's this press on mentality. Paul said multiple times, I'm pressing on because I want a crown. I'm pressing on because I want a reward. He said, he even gave an illustration on one occasion. We run the race, and he said that racers race for a perishable crown, a crown that it's not going to last forever, but we're running a race for an imperishable crown, a crown that will last forever. And one of the things that are etched in my mind is I, my spiritual father, Steve Hill, he'd stand up and he'd be shouting and hollering at us and, and talking about how every time somebody came to the Lord, it was a jewel that was being added into a crown in heaven. He'd talk about these moments that we're storing up treasures in heaven by the way that we give and by the way that we serve. And then he said, he's like, guys, I want more jewels than will fit on a crown. He's like, I want a semi-trailer load full of jewels and treasures in heaven. And then I remember this because he looked at the entire congregation. He says, I challenge you. Beat me. Get more treasure. Get more jewels. Get more crowns in heaven than what I have. He challenged us. And I remember thinking, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him. And you understand our motivation. I mean, we were singing about it earlier. Uh, the saints and the angels and the crowns that we give. Of course, it's all to the glory of God. But, but I'm telling you, friend, I don't want to get up there with nothing to show for the life that I live for Jesus. I, I want to I have something of tangible value. And look at what Jesus said in Matthew 25. He said in verse 21, he, he's talking about, Servants who he trusted gifts and talents and resources with. Three of them, and two were found faithful, one was not. And to the two he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Could you imagine, church? I don't know what God has trusted you with. He's trusted you with people. He's trusted you with resources. You've got gifts and talents and abilities. He's put vision in your heart. Every one of us has a unique call. And we're going to give an answer to God about what we did with what he gave us. And it's my prayer, it's my desire that every one of us will hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with the little that I gave you. I am going to trust you with much. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Oh, I dream about that day, friend. I daydream, you know. I think about that day and what that's going to look like. What it's going to be on that day where we will receive our rewards. But there was another servant there. And the Bible calls him wicked and lazy. And the Bible says he was cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friend, we're going to press on. To an eternal reward. Part of what's going to motivate us, we're going to have the right, right mindset. I'm going to be like a soldier. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be like a farmer. I'm going to be like that athlete. I'm going to discipline myself and endure suffering when it comes. And I'm going to, I'm going to press on and I'm going to enjoy the process. But, but I'm going to press on knowing that there is a reward laid before me. And I declare over each and every one of you in the name of Jesus, you're going to look good on judgment day. You will hear those words, enter in, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now the next thing, oh, this is so exciting. We press on to eternal presence. We press on to eternal 
presence. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. We will meet the Lord in the air, and we will always be with the Lord. Church, heaven's going to be amazing. Heaven's going to be incredible. I used to hear stories when I was a little kid about the worship that went on in heaven, and I, I, I just thought, like, so what? Heaven's just going to be a, an eternal worship service? Because uh, honestly, I'm sure it's going to be great, but that doesn't sound too exciting to me. Um, I don't know. Is that blasphemous? I don't think so. You, you understand, Revelation describes there's a whole new heaven and a whole new earth that's going to be coming in the eternal kingdom. You understand, even, even if you look, and this is very interesting, if you look, there's a temple that is going to be built in the coming years in Jerusalem, but when you look at the new heaven and the new earth, the Bible says that there isn't even a throne and there isn't even a temple because the Bible says that God himself is the temple. God himself is the dwelling place. We're going to enjoy, Jesus talks about mansions that he's preparing for us. I mean, he's preparing a place. He talks about how some of us will be rulers if we were faithful here on the earth there is a lot to heaven in fact the bible even just kind of summarizes it and he says that um that i has not seen this is first corinthians 2 9 i has not seen nor ear heard or entered into the heart of man the things which god has prepared for those who love him what's heaven gonna be like you can't even imagine You can't even wrap your mind around how glorious and how incredible heaven is going to be. Part of the joy of eternity is we get to be with him forever. Forever. I think about that day. I was talking with my brother Christoph. He just got back from Israel this last week. And he said, I stood at the eastern gate where Jesus is going to come back. He's going to enter into that gate. And the Bible describes that. You know, I I like Left Behind. I've actually been reading it recently, just kind of getting me fired up for end times all over again. But it got something wrong. In Thessalonians, it talks about how we will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. We're not going to be raptured in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. So it doesn't mean that like you're going to disappear and you're in heaven. No, the Bible describes how Jesus is coming back, and it's wild. You imagine you hear a trumpet blast, and I don't know what that's going to sound like, but you hear a trumpet blast, and we step out these doors. You imagine it happens right now. We step out these doors, and we look. The Bible says that every eye will behold him. He will come from the east. He's going to be circling the earth, and he's going to circle and circle, ultimately entering in through the eastern gate in Jerusalem. He's going to do this. We're going to step out, and you're going to look, and the Bible says he's coming with all the saints of all the angels and of all the ages and ten thousands of his saints and all the angels, all the inhabitants of heaven, they're going to be with Jesus. You're going to step outside and you're going to see this massive cloud of angels and saints and believers who are returning with Jesus Christ. This is a dramatic event, friend. We look out and we see that, but the Bible says at the same time, we will not precede those who have gone before us. So you're going to see grandpa up there coming back with with Jesus. But behind you, you're going to watch and you're going to see grandpa's body coming out the grave. 
His spirit's up there. His body's over here. And all of a sudden, his spirit will be united with his resurrected body. The Bible says in the twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed. We'll be made new. So I'm going to look down and I'm glowing. I'm going to look over. Kevin, you're glowing. Ryan, you're glowing. What's wrong with you? You're not glowing. I I mean, some of that's going to happen. And the Bible says that we will be caught up. That's the word rapturous. That an angel will come and gather us and we will meet Jesus in the sky. And it says that we will be with him forever. We will be with him forever. Oh, if you can't tell, I think about that day. I dream about that event that we will be glorified and we will meet him and we will be with him forever. What a day. Are you ready for that day, friend? Are you ready if, if that were to come right now? Are you, are you ready? I, I mean, I, I, I think about that sometime when I'm sitting in public. Let me be watching sand volleyball down at Coconut Grove and every once in a while the thought will enter my head. And if Jesus were to return right now, I know that there's a good number of people that are here who would be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. And Jesus is returning for his people. But I know looking around, there would be others who would be left behind. There would be others that we'd be looking and an angel comes down and they they pick up my son and they pick up my daughter and they pick up my wife. But I look and maybe one of my friends has not been glorified and an angel's not coming for him. I think about that day. You want to know one of the reasons I press on? I want it to be hard for people in Kona to miss the rapture. I want to make it hard for people to end up in hell who live on this island. And that's kind of the goal of the church, isn't it? We're to, be, we're to be ambassadors. We're to be the people that are carrying the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have an obligation, every one of us, God's going to call us to different spheres of influence, but we all have influence. Friend, let's make sure, let's make sure that we are a part of that, that, that glorious return. Oh my, I got sidetracked, but you can tell I just got excited. Now, worship team, would you come? We're, we're going we're gonna to close. So one last thought here. We press on knowing there's a reward in heaven. We press on. Because we know the eternal presence. We will be with the Lord forever. But the last thing, oh, I like this. We press on for heavenly crowns. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.8, There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. We sang the song earlier about how all the saints and all the, all the elders, they, they bow before the throne. They cast their crowns before God. And that comes out of Revelation chapter 4. The elders bow down before Him who sits on the throne and they worship Him who lives forever and they cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things and by Your will they exist and were created. You understand part of the reason that you and I will receive crowns on that day is it allows us to show, Lord, I lived for you. And this is an evidence of how I lived for you. This crown that you've bestowed upon me, this crown that you have gifted me. 
But there's moments like this in heaven where they worship God. And we have the wonderful privilege of taking our crown and saying, You, O Lord, are worthy. You are worthy of all praise and all honor and all glory. You. You created all things and for you they were created. One thought that kind of freaks me out though. Revelation 3 Jesus said, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to that which you have, that no one take your crown. That no man take your crown. It's not talking about the devil there. That no man take your crown. You want to know what freaks me out? There are things that the Lord has trusted to me and only to me to do. But if I fail to do what God has asked me to do, there's going to be somebody else who comes along. Maybe Minister Rylin. He picks up where I failed to do what God asked me to do. And when we get to heaven, he receives a crown that I was supposed to have. Now, I'm not saying there's going to be regret or remorse or grief in heaven. No, no, friend. I know that's all going to be done away with. But you can't tell me that when we're in one of those moments where it's time to honor God with our crowns, it's time to lay our crowns before the Lord. And I watch Him lay down a crown that I was supposed to have. You're going to feel something in that moment. You're going to feel something in that moment, friend. I press on knowing there's crowns that are laid up for me. There's crowns that are laid up for you. And if we don't do our job, somebody else is going to come along. The Lord will raise up somebody else who will do it. I'm not saying you're going to miss heaven. We need to have this mentality. I'm going to press on. There's rewards, there's presents, and there's crowns that are laid up for me. Hallelujah. Would you, would you stand to your feet?